All right, take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Genesis, the very first book in your Bible. Book of Genesis, chapter 3. Genesis, chapter 3. We're going to take a look this morning at Adam and Eve and how sin came into this world and the steps that were taken before that sin entered in. Genesis chapter 3, and we'll be reading the first 13 verses. If your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, allow them to look on with you. Let's all stand together, if you would, in honor of the Word of God. And look at me in verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. A little blame shifting going on there, huh? Uh, verse 13, And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, it's good to be here in church this morning. Lord, I'm thankful for each one that's here, and I'm thankful that I don't uh, have platitudes or men's wisdom to impart to those that are here this morning. I'm thankful I've got the Word of God. I've, I've got your words preserved for us in, in our language exactly as you'd have us to have them. And Lord, we must, we must pay close attention to what you have for us this morning. God, I need you as, as a preacher. Without you, I can't preach this message. Without you, oh, I can, I can go through the motions, but God, I need your power, I need your grace, I need your mercy. And I pray, Father, that, uh, that you would uh, work through the things that I say, particularly the scriptures, Lord. Take the word of God and apply it to hearts. We ask God that you give each and every one of us, both preacher and hearer alike, ears to hear that we might hear what you might speak to our hearts about through your word. May we have, have a desire to uh, 
respond to you this morning. And God, as you speak to our hearts, may we say yes. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This is the story of how, of how sin entered into the world. And the, and the truth of the matter is, all of us, the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And just as, as sin entered into this world, the same elements are present uh, when we fall into sin. And all of us fall prey to sin. And uh, sin is, can I just say this right from the get-go of this message? Sin is never your friend. He is, it is never your friend. You will never be better off when you sin than if you don't sin. And the whole reason why Jesus Christ came to this earth was so that he could be the sacrifice for our sin because he knew what sin would do to us, not only, not only eternally, but also to our everyday lives. Sin brings bondage. And in this particular case, sin caused a curse to be on the whole world. And uh, the, the, we, are, we are living the results of that today. Uh, the nature is cursed. The uh, human nature is cursed. The whole world is cursed. By the way, uh, if, if, if this cursed world looks this pretty, can you imagine what it'll be like when Jesus comes back and fixes all that and takes the curse off? Whoa, that's going to be something. But, uh, but uh, uh, the Bible shows us step by step uh, what the steps were that Eve fell into and that Adam eventually fell into before they actually uh, got involved in sin and, the, and the, various, the various elements that are found therein. The first thing I want you to look at is, is the fact that there was, a, there was a natural curiosity that was going on at the time. Uh, in verse 1 it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. When God put Adam and Eve in the garden, he said, Listen, you can have every single tree except for one. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he said, I don't want you to eat of that tree. Well, obviously... Uh, when Satan appealed to Eve, he was appealing to something. He was appealing to, obviously, the thoughts that she'd already had. Uh, she, I'm sure, had seen that tree. I'm sure she had thought about that tree. And there, there is, a, there is a, a natural curiosity when it comes to sin. But let me tell you what the Bible has to say. Keep your finger here. We're going to be here all morning. But go with me to Romans chapter 16. This is a, a principle that has been a real help to me personally. And it's a, it's a principle that will keep you out of a lot of trouble. Romans chapter 16 and verse 19. It says for Paul speaking to the, the uh, Christians at Rome, he says, For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I'm glad therefore on your behalf, but yet... I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. What he's saying here, he's saying, listen, when it comes to good, know all about it. Uh, you know, immerse yourself in it. 
but when it comes to evil, be stupid. <laughs> you don't need to know all about the evil. I remember years ago when I was in Green Bay, Wisconsin, we were, we were fighting adult bookstores that were coming into the, into the, uh, the area. And we had, a, we had a meeting to decide how to, how to combat uh, their, their entering into the city. And uh, one of the fellows that was there raised his hand and said, well, I, I know what we need to do. He says, what we need to do is we need to get us a group of folks and we need to go into these bookstores and look at all this stuff so that we understand what we're dealing with. No, you don't. No, you don't. That violates this principle. And all you're doing when you do that kind of stuff is open the doors for evil to come in. God puts limits on us. And in fact, you know, when, when God gave the Ten Commandments, it, it, was, it, was a, it was some do's, but it was a whole lot of don'ts. It was a love, you know, we're, we're to worship the Lord our God, and Him only shall thou serve. But then there was thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And people look at those thou shalt nots, I like a little bit, I think, like, like Eve did, thou shalt not eat of this tree. And, and we say, well, you know, God's, God's limiting my pleasure. No, he's not limiting you at all. He's protecting you. He's protecting you. He knows the dangers of sin. And he, he puts limits on us to protect us. And what God was doing when he said, uh, thou shalt not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He was putting, he was putting a limit on, on Adam and Eve because he was protecting them. So be careful of natural curiosity. Second thing was after the curiosity was responded to, there was an awakening of the conscience. Awakening of the conscience. Uh, take your Bibles and turn with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Now the truth of the matter is, is that Eve knew that God had said, don't partake of the fruit of the tree. He, she, she, she knew that that was the case. And, and she was aware of what was right, and she was aware of what was wrong. And that's, that's what happens when God awakens our conscience. He shows us very plainly what's right, and he shows us very plainly what's wrong. Uh, James chapter 1, look in verses 13 through 15. This kind of tells us the process of sin. It says, let, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. God never has nor ever will tempt you with evil. He'll never do that. Verse 14, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived... It bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Now go with me to chapter 4, same book. Look down at verse 17. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Now when it comes to temptation, there are, are steps along the way of, of temptation. Number one we have that thing presented to us. And that's oftentimes where the curiosity kicks in. And uh, it's presented. There's an opportunity to do wrong. 
the, the, the second thing that kicks in is, is really is the awakening of the conscience where not only is the opportunity there, but you know clearly that you're not supposed to do it, that that's not what God would have you to do. So there, there's illumination there. And then the next step, and this is really up until then, there's really been no sin, there's been no, no leaning towards sin yet. But then the next step it, it, it is the, the step of debate. And debate is, so, so, you know, you've, you've done this. You, 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 you've gone through this process. You said, should I or shouldn't I? Well, listen, if you already know that it's wrong, or you already know that it's right, that you're supposed to do it, uh, and, and, and you're holding back and wondering, should I or shouldn't I, guess what? You've already started down the wrong road. Because you're debating that thing. And that's when sin starts to, starts to creep into the process. Sin comes in when we begin to debate. And then, when we take the wrong side, obviously, we fall, we fall uh, into disobedience and, and we sin and we, we, by actions, do that which is wrong. But, but it already begins in the heart. And this happens when our conscience is awakened. The next, the next step, go back with me to Genesis chapter 3 and look at verses 1, 3, and 4. Verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. I find it very interesting. The very first attack that Satan ever made on mankind was, Yea, hath God said. He started to question the words of God. Man, I'm glad I've got a Bible I can trust. Aren't you? I'm glad that I've got the Word of God and, and I can find out just by opening its pages exactly what God said. Look down at verse 3. It says, But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And then verse 4, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Now, the, 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 next, the next step of falling prey to sin and, and uh, its bondage is not only natural curiosity and giving into it, awakening of the conscience, but then the next step is exaggeration and distortion of God's limits. Uh, one of the things that, that uh, uh, Eve said was, she said there in verse uh, verse 3, she says, But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, now notice what it is she said that God said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now, is it why, would it have been wise not to touch it? Yeah, because if you don't touch it, you're not going to eat it. But did God say that? No. No, he didn't. And one of the things that, that we begin to do is we begin to exaggerate what God's limits and what God's laws are for our lives. And uh, we make it, we always make it more, more hard than what God makes it. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, toward the back of your Bible. If you've gone to Revelation and gone too far, then just go more toward the middle and, uh, and a few books and you'll find 1 John. 
1 John chapter 5. And in 1 John chapter 5, look in verses 1 through 3. It says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. Notice that, that last phrase. And his commandments are not grievous. Now, don't raise your hands. But how many of you ever thought that his commandments were grievous? My hand's up. <laughs> I have. You know why? Because I have exaggerated the limits of God and exaggerated the motivation that God has had behind it. Can I tell you this? We do not serve a mean, nasty God who doesn't care for us. Uh, our, my God is, is a good God. You know, that uh, I, was talking, I was talking to, uh, to uh, uh, and I just forgot his name, uh, Chuck, your, brother, your uh, son-in-law. He used to be a Muslim. Osman, thank you. Okay, uh, I was talking to, to Osman when he was here for the funeral. And uh, Osman was a Muslim, and he got saved. And I said, you know, what's, what's, the, what's, the dif- what's one of the big differences, Osman, that, that, that really hits you in the face between the Muslim religion and Christianity? He said, oh, that's easy. He says, God is kind. God is loving. He says, they don't know anything about that. All they know is a mean, nasty God that wants to punish them. That's all they know. And he says, whenever I, I tell them about what, what God really is like, they are absolutely amazed. They're flabbergasted by the thing. But, but uh, what we do is we exaggerate God's limits and we, we exaggerate his commandments. Uh, commandments look... Notice in that, in that passage, 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 through 3, talks about if we, if we love God, we'll keep his commandments. And then it says on, in verse 3, and his commandments are not grievous. They're not grievous to us from our standpoint. They're not grievous, period. But they're not grievous to us from our standpoint when we love God. One of the ways you can tell your love for God is slipping and you, is when you start thinking God's being harsh. When you start questioning God's love in your life. And when that, when that thing begins to happen, you realize that your love and your devotion and your care for God has begun to slip. Well, what's the, what's the next step? Look with me back again over in Genesis chapter 3. We've, we've seen natural curiosity, awakening of the conscience, an exaggeration and distortion of God's limits. And then the next, the next step is a sensual focus. Look down at verses, uh, verse 6. It says that when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. She focused on what she saw. Let me tell you what she did not see. She did not see a broken home. She did not see murder. She did not see the results of drunkenness. 
Have you ever noticed whenever, whenever uh, uh, beer or hard liquor wants to advertise, they always put real good-looking men and women on the, on the billboards or in the commercials, and they're always having fun, and it's always, you know, it's always very glamorous type of thing. You know what you never see? You never see a drunk in a gutter. You never see, you never see the broken homes. You never see the, the kids crying because daddy's a drunk. You don't see that kind of stuff. And, and her focus was on the wrong thing. Her focus was on what she saw. The more you look at what God forbids, the more you're going to want it. The more you, you expose yourself to that which God says no to, the more you're going to desire it. And, you know, the, the things I hear, uh, the excuses I hear, are things like, well, you know, it's just innocent. Listen, if it's against God's word, it's never innocent. It's never innocent. You say, well, well I can handle it. You're a fool. You're a fool. The Bible says, flee youthful lust. Why does God say that? Why does he say to a young man, and an old man too, uh, flee youthful lust because you can't handle those lusts. They will eat you alive. They will devour you. They will ruin you. They'll hurt your relationship with your God. But she didn't see that. She only saw the, the thing that was before her eyes. Um, Satan wants you to, to get a, a good look at sin and look at it from a positive perspective. Eve did that. There was a fellow uh, that uh, was back in Israel as, they, as Israel was leaving the wilderness and going into the promised land. His name was Achan. And uh, Achan was told, like the rest of Israel was told, don't take any of the spoil. Uh, this is the this is the first the spoil uh, this is the first battle the spoil belongs to God don't take any of the spoil and he did he went ahead and took some things and he hid them and he is he, later on of course Israel is 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 punished is disciplined because because Achan had been disobedient they did not know it they they ferreted him out and he stood before Joshua. And this is what he says. He says, I saw, he says, I coveted, and I took. Where did the whole thing start? I saw. And when he saw, he didn't look away. Now, listen, I understand. We're living in a world where you're going to see all kinds of stuff. You're going to see stuff out on the street. You're going to see stuff in the stores. Uh, but you know what? I don't have to look twice at any of it. I may have to look once at it because it catches me by surprise, but I can turn away from it. Satan knows the more that he can get you to look at something and to desire it, the more he can get you, the easier he can get you to partake in it. He said, I saw, and then he said, I coveted, and then I, he said, I took. You're in Genesis. Go to Genesis chapter 13. Here's another one. Genesis chapter 13. Many of you know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. They were two cities that were so wicked that God brought fire and brimstone down from heaven 
and devoured the cities. There was a, a man by the name of Lot who had taken his family into those cities. Now, you know, the truth of the matter is, Lot knew before he took the, his family into the cities, that into the city of Sodom, he knew that Sodom was wicked. He knew that there was vileness in that city. He knew his family would be exposed. But he went anyway. And this is the reason why he went. If you look with me in Genesis 13, look in verses 10 and 13. 10 through 13. It says, And there was a, a famine in the land, and Abraham, and Lot was with Abraham, went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. And it, it came to pass that when he was come near to enter into Egypt, that he said unto Sarai his wife, Behold now, I, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon, therefore it shall come to pass, when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my, my soul shall live because of thee. So he went into, he went into Egypt, and when he went into Egypt, he went and he took, he took Lot with him. When Lot was given an opportunity to choose where it was that he wanted to go, he looked out and he saw the, the well-watered plains of Sodom. And it reminded him of Egypt, which he'd spent some time in, which he'd seen. And so he had a desire to go in that direction. And of course, if you know the rest of the story, he, he, uh, he ended up fleeing that city, took his wife out. His wife looked back after God told her expressly not to do so. She turned into a pillar of salt. And, and there's just problem after problem afterwards, immorality in the family. He lost some of his family in Sodom. His two daughters that he took with him were immoral. Why was that? Well, the Bible says that, that Lot had a righteous soul. He, you know, he, he, it grieved him what he saw. Then why in the world would you drag your family into that garbage heap and let them look at that stuff? Because the more you look at it, the more you're drawn to it. And that's, that's, exactly, that's exactly what happened. When there's that sensual focus, and we focus on those things that God expressly says stay away from, then we're drawn to it. The, the next step is the, the, the violation. You know, we have the awakening of the conscience. Now we've got the violation of the conscience. And that's when, when Eve partook of the tree, even though she knew she was not supposed to. The Bible says that he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. She knew that, and she violated her conscience, and she went ahead and she participated in it. Take your Bibles. And turn with me over to Romans chapter 14. Romans 14. In Romans chapter 14, look down in verses 22 and 23. Romans chapter 14. 22 and 23, the last two verses. It says, Hast thou faith 
Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in the thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. You know, the bottom line is, the bottom line is, if you doubt, don't. If there's doubt in your mind as to whether or not you should participate in a particular activity, you know, I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've had over the years in ministry, I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, is it wrong for me to? Well, you know what? If you're, if you're starting out the whole conversation with, is it wrong for me to? There's some doubt in your mind. And my, my advice would be to you before I even give you an answer, don't. Don't. Don't go there. Uh, is there you know, I've never had anybody come up to me and say, is it right for me to? Hardly ever. Hardly ever come up and say, is it right? It's always, is it wrong? Well, when we, when we, when we come from that approach, there's already some, some doubt. There's already some shaking uh, going on as far as as uh, uh, the participation in that thing. And the Bible makes it very, very clear that Adam and Eve knew it was forbidden. They knew that they weren't supposed to partake in it, and yet they violated their conscience knowing full well that it was wrong, and they went ahead and they participated in it. Then the, then the sixth thing was the, the awakening of guilt after they had committed the sin. Look with me down in verses 7 and 8 of Genesis chapter 3. Verse 7 says, And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Their, their guilt was awakened. And, uh, and, and they, they understood and they knew that what they had done was wrong. And they immediately hid themselves. You know, I, I noticed this in raising kids. And if, if you've, you've raised kids or in the process of raising kids, you've noticed this too. You get, you get your kid, you catch them red-handed doing something that you expressly told them not to do. And you say, did you do that? And they look at you and they go, they, they might lie. But, but even if they lie, they'll, they'll do it this way. Uh, no. Why can't you look? Because you're, you're, your conscience has been awakened and that guilt is awakened. And, and you know you're dead wrong. And that's exactly what happened with Adam and Eve. Their guilt was Awaken. Now, what should have been the, the response to their guilt? Take your Bibles and turn with me to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 28. Proverbs chapter 28. Look down in verse 13. It says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. It says that we ought not to cover our sins, but we ought to confess them, we ought to forsake them. Adam and Eve had that opportunity. They could have said, you got me. 
We did wrong. We, 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 we we're sorry that we did wrong. We need to repent. Uh, but that isn't what they did. They ran, they hid, and they covered their sin. What was, what was that response? Well, again, look with me. Back in Genesis 3, verse 7, the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons, so they made their own clothes, tried to cover their own sin. And then down in verse 12, it says, The man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. Now, did you catch all that? He said, he said The woman that thou gavest to me. In other words, God, if you'd never given me the woman, I probably wouldn't have sinned. Mm, you stinker. You're not, only blaming, you're not only blaming your wife, but you're blaming God who gave you that wife, whom thou gavest me. Uh, you know, we do that. Well, you know, Lord, if you didn't allow me to get in, in that position in life, I probably wouldn't have. Whoa, 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 careful. Wrong response. You know what the right response always is? I'm wrong, you're right. I'm a sinner, you're righteous, God. Uh, I violated your command, and I need to repent and turn from it. That's always the right response. And the, and the other thing, they not, only, they not only covered their sin and they blamed one another, but, but they, they hid from God. You know, you, you think about this. <clears throat> you can't hide from God. God knows all things. God is everywhere. Uh, God sees all things. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. You can't, you know, bottom line is you can't get away with anything from God. But they, they responded totally wrong uh, because of their sin. Now, what I want us to look at this morning in, in conclusion, take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 1. And let me just show you, if we don't have the right response to sin... What happens? There's three different times in Romans chapter 1 that it says that God gave them over to something. People that sinned and did not respond right to sin, did not repent, did not turn and, and do that which was right. Look in verse 24. Uh, actually, let's go up to, go up to verse 21. It says, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. By the way, can I tell you something? Do you know that all nations at one time knew about God? They all did. And some of them turned against God. And that's why they're in such darkness that they're in today. It says, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. It says God gave them 
up to uncleanness. He said, listen, you want to you you roll in that slop? Go ahead. But you're going to have the full consequences of it. You look back at Adam and Eve. What are the consequences of their one act? This whole world's under a curse. Has been since the garden. Why? Because they did not respond right to God. And uh, God, God will, will give us up to uncleanness if we don't turn from it. Look in verse 26, same chapter, Romans 1. It says, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use unto that which is against nature. And we're seeing that going on in our country. One of the things that just makes me fearful is that what people have said is, I know what God says and I don't care. I don't care. Um, it, there is a defiance there like I, have, like I have never seen before in this country. And let me tell you something. It's not a, a defiance against our church or churches like us. You know, sometimes we think that this battle is us against them. Uh-uh. It's them against God. I mean, it's just that plain and just that simple. And they, they just have a defiant attitude. But God will give them up. If that's where they want to go, he'll say, all right, go. I'll give you up to the vile affections. And when that happens, when they, they, he gives them up to uncleanness, he gives them up to vile affections. They, they reap all the consequences of it. Look down at verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their, their knowledge, here it is again, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. He gave them up to uncleanness, he gave them up to vile affections, and he gave them up over to a, a reprobate mind. What is that? God's just saying, look, you want to go that way? Go ahead and go that way, because you will not repent. But you will be put under bondage of that sin. Sin is never your friend. Never your friend. And notice what happens. Uh, take your Bibles and look with me over in uh, Psalm 106. Psalm 106. Psalm's right in the middle of your Bible. Psalm 106. Look at verses 13 through 15. It says, They soon forgot his works. This is speaking of the children of God in the wilderness, Israel. In verse um, 13, it says, They soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. And he gave them their request. Now, did they request the right stuff? No. But finally he said, look, you want it? Here you go. But notice what it says at the, at the end of verse, at the end of verse uh, uh, 15. It says, he gave them their request, but sent leanness unto their souls. Not responding right to sin always ends up with leanness to our souls. Now this is, this is important for us to, to take heed to. No matter who we are, no matter who you are, you might be here this morning without Jesus Christ as Savior. And what I mean by that is, 
You might know who Jesus Christ is. You might even be a churchgoer. But do you know for sure that all of your sins, right where you sit right now, are totally, completely forgiven, and that if you're to die today, that you go to heaven? If you don't know that for sure, it's because you've not yet come to the point where you've realized that you're a sinner, and that because of your sins, you deserve to go to hell for all eternity. That, for me, was a tough thing to swallow when someone gave me the plan of salvation. I, I didn't want to think that I deserve hell, but the Bible says that all have sinned. If all of us have sinned, then there's one thing we all deserve, and that's the curse that sin brings, and that, that would be spending all eternity in the lake of fire. That's what we deserve for our sin, because we have sinned against a completely perfectly holy, eternal God. And what our sin deserves is a, an eternal punishment. But the Bible says that, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Yes, I am a sinner. Yes, I deserve to die and go to hell. But yes, Jesus Christ came and died for my sin. He didn't die for most of it. He didn't pay for almost all of it. He didn't pay for all of the sin that I committed before I, trust, before I trusted Christ. He, he died for the sins before you trusted Christ, after tr you trust Christ, and then for the rest of your life. All your sin has been paid for by Jesus Christ. There is nothing you can do but turn from that sin and trust him and believe on him and him alone as your Savior. And the fourth thing that the Bible says is that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That if thou shalt believe in thine heart, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart, that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart men believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation." If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, your, your right response to sin is to realize that you are a sinner, that you're on your way to hell, and that the only way you can go to heaven is by repenting and trusting Jesus Christ and Him alone as your Savior. And the moment you do that, if you do that today, if you come forward during the invitation and grab my hand and say, Pastor, I need to be saved. We'll have someone take the Word of God and show you those things in the Bible. And you bow your head and you say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Save me. Save, save me as I trust your, your shed blood and you alone for my salvation. Give me eternal life. Boy, right at that moment, God will save your soul. Listen, if you're not saved, that's the right response to sin. But you know where it starts? It starts at the same place where God tried to get Adam and Eve to start admitting it. You've got to admit it. You've got to admit the punishment. You've got to admit what you deserve. And you've got to turn to Christ and believe in Him and Him alone. If you're here this morning and you're saved, the Bible says that we, because of, of fellowship, we need to daily make sure that we're clean before God. And, and the way we respond to sin is to confess it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin 
and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Don't cover it. Don't cover it. Confess it. Admit it. And then look at those steps, Christian. Look at those steps that Adam and Eve went through. And you might be at one of those steps. Maybe there's something you need to turn your eyes away from because you're staring at it. And it's going to end up tripping you up. Maybe, maybe your conscience has already been awakened and you know there's something that you're supposed to do and you're not doing or there's something you're not supposed to do, but you're doing it anyway. Don't wait for the boom to be lowered. Don't wait for God to say, okay, you want to do that? Go ahead. You don't want to be in Romans 1. You don't want God to give you up or give you over and just say, all right, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to learn the hard way. The Bible says there's a proper way to respond to sin. And there are steps that we take. It starts with curiosity. Then it goes to the conscience being awakened. And then we exaggerate God's limits. Then there's a, a focus, and the focus is wrong. It's a focus on the wrong things and a, and a, a focus on the sensual. And then there's a conscience that's violated, our conscience. And then the guilt sets in, and then the covering and the blame shifting. Don't go the covering and the blame shifting. Confess your sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Just before we pray, I want to ask you something. It's the most important question that anybody could ever ask you, and it's simply this. If you were to die today, based upon what the Scripture says, not your own opinion, not your thoughts, not your religious upbringing, but according to what the Bible says, are you absolutely positive you, you go to heaven because you, you've realized you're a sinner on your way to hell and the only way you can tr- go to heaven and get your sins forgiven is by putting all your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You've done that. And you know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die. I wonder if you'd just raise your hand as a testimony. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Just raise your hand and say, I know that for sure. Okay, thank you. You can put your hands down. How many of you be just as honest Say, you know what? I don't know that for sure. And it bothers me. Preacher, would you pray for me? I, uh, other than just recognizing your hand, I'm not going to point you out at all. I wouldn't, if I knew your name, I wouldn't say it. But how many would be honest and say, I don't know that for sure, and I'd like to know. Here's my hand. Anyone like that here this morning? Say, Preacher, here's my hand. I'm concerned about the fact that I couldn't raise my hand just a minute ago because I don't know for sure. Pray for me. All right, you're here this morning and you're saved. There's some things that you're curious about that you should not be curious about. Has your conscience been awakened and have you been focusing on things that are wrong? God's trying to get you to stop before you've taken that thing too far. You need to respond to him. You need to repent. You need to not cover your sin, but confess it and turn from it. Father, we pray that you would 
work on this invitation. God, I noticed that not every hand went up this, this morning. Uh, There's some folks here that could not say with confidence that if they're to die today, they go to heaven. I don't say that to shame them. I don't say that to point them out in, in any ways or form. God, that always bothers me because I know there was a time when I was that same way. Did not know it for sure. And I'm so thankful for the grace of God. And I'm thankful for the salvation that came free in Jesus Christ. I pray that you'd speak to hearts this morning of those that are here that are, have not yet trusted Christ as Savior. You'd show them the importance of their soul in getting that sin forgiven. I pray, Lord, for those that are here this morning that are saved, maybe in one of those steps, maybe far down the line, God, as long as we have the opportunity to repent, it's never too late. And God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts this morning. Maybe someone's in the, just in the curiosity stage and realizing that, well, wait a minute. I don't, I don't need to study that, which is the, I need to be simple concerning evil and wise concerning that which is good. Lord, take this message, take the word of God, and apply it to hearts. And God, as you speak to hearts, may we respond to you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all let's